Hey guys, how's it going? I hope you're doing great and feeling good about life, even though that can be hard sometimes, but welcome. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Pillars Podcast. I am Dylan Bowman, and today I'm very excited to bring you a conversation with my old friend, Joe Grant. For those who don't know, Joe is an ultra runner and outdoor enthusiast now residing in Durango, Colorado. He and I go way back, but he's a unique character in the sport. He sort of occupies a unique space in the sport in that his approach is as artistic as it is athletic. He's known not only for being a great runner, but also for being a great creative storyteller, a great photographer, and sort of like a philosophical mountain adventurer. Uh, as I said, Joe and I uh, have been friends a long time. In fact, we tell a fun story from the earliest days of our friendship when I paced him at the 2011 Hard Rock, uh, a memory that uh, is really fun to look back on, but that wasn't so pleasant in real time. So that was fun to uh, share publicly. Um, but I have a tremendous amount of admiration for Joe. He uh, was a personal inspiration of mine upon my introduction to ultra running, and he's just been a great friend ever since. Um, in this conversation, we talk about Joe's move to Durango from his longtime residence in Boulder. We reminisce a lot about the revolution in ultra running that we both lived through in the sort of early 2010s. Uh, we talk about how the sport has changed in the last decade. Um, his recent projects and his artistic approach and the process of sort of like creating uh, these different projects um, that he's tackled recently and that he has coming up in the near future. Before we get to it, just a quick plug for our new app. We are now officially one week into this new venture and we are very happy with the initial reception. So thanks to everybody who signed up. Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I so appreciate the support. Um, for those who are interested or unfamiliar, you can download our new app. It's called Pillars. It's available now in the iOS app store and the Android version is coming soon. Lots of great stuff on how to improve as athletes and as human beings. Please do, if you have feedback, don't hesitate. Hit me up on IG. You can send me an email at dylan at pillars.com. Um, we're going to have announcements not only on that Android versions release, uh, but also other things, including new content very soon. So stay up to date, sign up for our newsletter at pillars.com, follow us at pillars on Instagram and, uh, yeah, join us, join us. I'm having so much fun with this and, uh, I'm so grateful for everybody who's on board now. And I so hope you guys will sign up too. Okay. Let's get to today's conversation. Please welcome the man. Mr. Joe Grant. I like your setting there. The brick and everything's cool. Dude, you know where this is, man. North Portland. We're in St. Right. John's. I've got a, I've got an awesome office here underneath the St. John's bridge. And yeah. uh, actually Columbia's former headquarters. I have an oh, office no way. In, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's they've interesting. Turned it in, they've turned it into a, a cool little office building so there's a bunch of artists and tattoo artists and small businesses and stuff and we live like five minutes down the road so it's my little cool. pro productivity chamber and uh podcasting den so yeah that's awesome there's yeah. a it seems like there's a rise of those kinds of spaces well little um 
you know, challenged with, uh, with COVID obviously, but it's cool that there's a like collective gathering spots, you know, I mean, this is my neighborhood, man, uh, 15 years ago. You know? I know, I know. I kind of yeah. want to talk about that too, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. I, uh, signed the lease for this place like in April or something, right. As everybody went remote and I've of course been working remotely for eight years. And right. As everybody started working from home, I got myself an office. It was perfect timing, but it's been great. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, Joe Grant, welcome to the podcast, buddy. It's good to see you. How you been? Uh, good. Thanks Dylan. Yeah. Real pleasure to, to be on the show and, uh, excited that I, is this the, uh, first, uh, pillars uh, the, or transition yeah. or <laughs> yeah so i did like a little ask me anything uh i recorded another one that'll probably go up before you so you'll be one of the first under the new banner so thanks so much for being here man it's so fun yeah thanks for having yeah. me yeah dude so i mean we haven't uh we haven't connected in a while but we we go way back so uh i want to first just kind of like catch up since last time we saw each other it sounds like you moved to Durango recently after being a longtime Boulder resident or front range resident. Tell me about that decision, uh, when that happened and what went into yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, it is an exciting, uh, new, um, you know, move. Um, I spent about, I think it was nearly 10 years in the front range. Um, actually moved from Portland, uh, had a little micro stint in, in Santa Fe for a summer and kind of trying to figure out where our next, uh, our next place, you know, would be. And Deanne and I, my wife, uh, we, we, uh, we decided she, she found a, a grad program at CU and, uh, started going to, to grad school there. And, um, it was a perfect kind of combination of things between, uh, you know, between having, uh, the mountains and the access um, outside of Boulder, and then having a university town um, mm. for her. So that that's one of the things that's always been uh, a challenge, not not necessarily a challenge, but on our minds in terms of choosing or thinking about places we want to live. Um, it's trying to combine, you know, my shenanigans with uh, her more professional sort of. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So, so Balder was kind of the sweet spot for us in that, in that regard. Uh, we we'd been in Portland for three years working in uh, the nonprofit world. And uh, I was kind of starting to cut my teeth in sort of the more of the trail running world. And then uh, we, got a little tired of the weather of the, you know, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, right? I think, uh, there's, uh, there's so much green and Portland's a beautiful city and certainly a very, uh, dynamic and interesting city to live in. But, you know, the nine months of drizzle just was like, Oh, you need a little more, a little more sunshine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, dude, you're, you're, uh, you're hurting the Portland brand even more than it's been, been, uh, you know, damaged this, this year, but, uh, <laughs> dude, I, I find the weather conversation about Portland specifically has been vastly overrated, but I think it keeps a lot of, uh, you know, the Californians from moving North. So, uh, you know, I think that's yeah. why, why people tell that story, but so how have, have you found Durango? I mean, when did that move take place and, uh, so, have yeah. you guys been enjoying it? Yeah, we, uh, so what happened, Deanne, uh, got her PhD at CU and, uh, got, uh, basically her dream job, uh, teaching at Fort Lewis college, um, down here in Durango. So that happened, 
a little about a year and a half ago. And uh, then she got offered a tenure track position. So the move was more um, official. Um, and that was in the spring of, of, uh, of 2020. Uh, so we kind of all this was happening and COVID's happening. And, you know, so it was a bit of a, a, a messy start. Um, but the cool thing is, is uh, we met here 18 years ago. Um, I was doing an exchange program from France uh, and was here for uh, three semesters at Fort Lewis. And uh, she was from Oklahoma and uh, uh, doing a, her, her college do, undergrad degree here. And yeah, we met here. And so we've been together ever since. And now full circle back from, you know, uh, <laughs> a lifetime, it seems together, um, out in the world, you know, yeah. back, um, back here. So it's, it's really, really cool on that front. Like I've always had a really close affinity, um, with the area and I've obviously come back, um, many, many times, uh, for hard rock and just to be kind of in the San Juans in general. Um, but now sort of, uh, you know, digging my, my teeth in a little more and just being, uh, being rooted here is, uh, is really exciting. For, for, for both of us. Dude, what a great story. Well, congratulate Deanne for me. I, of course, haven't seen her in a long time either, but that's awesome. And uh, it's good Thank to you. see you guys settling in. I think it is so important to like figure out that home base thing. And I mean, just looking back at two years ago when we left the Bay Area where we felt totally at home, I, I think that had a a big impact, you know, just pulling, pulling roots up from a place where you feel that way, you know, it can have a serious impact on how you feel out in the world and how you feel anchored to, um, you know, the places that you live. And I know for me, it was a really difficult thing to kind of lose that. And now trying to refine it here in Portland, which, luckily it's been going really well. And, and so, you know, I think people at, at our age, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to kind of pull up roots and move again and, yeah. and, and make friends, you know, in, in your mid thirties. So that's awesome. That you yeah. But exciting too. I think, I mean, like, like you, we had, uh, you know, nearly 10 years in the front range and we loved our, our home and, and we're living in gold Hill, which is 10 miles west of Boulder. Um, up in the mountains at 8,300 feet. And so we had access to, you know, Rocky Mountain National Park and, and the Indian Peaks and all of that right there. And, and so for me, it was incredible. We had a great community, a lot of friends. Um, and yeah, so th there was a lot to, to, to be said about that, that space. And it certainly was a really, really great place to live for the, the time that we were there. Um, but I do think that this is, came at, at, at the right time where, I mean, obviously Deanne finished and graduated. So there was that next step of like, mm. where, what's she going to do? Where's she going to go? Um, and really in academia, there's not a ton of, of options necessarily. So it, uh, you know, it just happened that, that this, uh, this opportunity came up at the right time and it, it, it kind of converged for, for both of us being a, an exciting move. So yeah, that's pretty, pretty awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, it's yeah. good to catch up on that, but I don't think we can go any further without talking about the amazing story of the 2011 hard rock. Now that you're in Durango and close to the, the hard rock course and we're 10 years removed from the most amazing fun, at least in retrospect, vision quest uh, of a mission that we enjoyed together out there yeah. in the back, back half of the hard rock course. <laughs> Why don't you, uh, I'm, try I'm trying to think, was, was that, 
we how long before had we met it couldn't have been too long it wasn't it wasn't long at all i remember we met and uh we went to go summit mount albert um outside leadville we turned around we turned around on that because the weather wasn't good and then you came and stayed with me in aspen for a night while Mm -hmm. you were on your way to silverton so we we met only a couple of days earlier you know we had like a little little email exchange you know when we determined that i was going to come down and help you out that's um, right. Yeah. So, and so <laughs> pick, pick up the story. Uh, yeah. Tell, paint the picture well, of that 2011 hard rock mission. That was awesome. Yeah. I, I think, you know, having, having that just a now recollection, we went for a little run in Aspen and I, I remember noting that you had these, like you were wearing high, high tube socks, you know, <laughs> yeah. and that, that was like your thing. And I was just like, you know, I, I'm like barefoot in my shoes, you know, at the time it was very like, like kind of a minimalist uh, period. And, I think Tony actually had given me uh, a couple weeks prior a pair of the 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 one tens the the New Balance one yep. tens. So I had this shoe, you know, that that hadn't really been out yet, you know, and and I had run somewhat in a shared. We had a shared pair that he <laughs> he ran like 500 miles on and then gave to me, and it had this funny like sort of uh, cloth upper material that was actually really really nice, like kind of like this faux suede nearly um, mm-hmm. that wasn't really very performance focused, but it felt so comfortable. So I put another, you know, 500 miles on that pair of shoes. And, and that was my, my kind of intro to those shoes. And then I got these, you know, coming out for hard rock. So mm-hmm. my whole men- mentality going in, this was my third, I think my third hundred. Mm-hmm. So 20, 2009 was uh, UTMB, my first hundred miler. Um, and I wanted to go back to France to, to get that experience there. Um, and then I had run in the summer of 2010, uh, a week before pacing Tony at Western States, I'd run Bighorn. And so that was, the, that's the unbreakable year you, you ran, uh, you Bighorn the week before. Yeah. And then I paced, yeah, exactly. To Tony. Tony. Yeah. So I was completely wrecked, you know, on that, on those pacing duties. And it, it was a spontaneous thing. Cause my friend Yassine, who we have in common, yeah. uh, you know, Portlander, he, uh, he was doing the race and he called me up and he was like, Hey, I'm being, being, I'll be in uh, Wyoming in another couple of weeks. And, and I was like, oh, sweet. And that's, you know, the time when you could register like kind of week off. And so I was like, cool, man, I'll come up and do this like kind of backwoodsy cowboy kind of race. And yeah. so, the, you know, those were my experiences, like pretty extreme. Like one is, is the, the, at the time was already pretty prominent. Um, I think uh, 2008 was the year that Killian had won uh, UTMB. Um, after Marco Omo the previous year. Um, And so it was like the youngest and the oldest kind of like changing of the guard uh, type, you know, type of era. And uh, so the, the training and, and all of the kind of prep going in was um, references, Kyle Skaggs, 2323, you know, kind of had like his splits, his also style, like minimalist, um, yeah. I remember the cover of Ultra Running Magazine, you know, with Kyle just like marching up the hill with shirtless, two handhelds, bandana on, the new new bounce splits. Like I, iconic, I, iconic photo. Iconic, yeah. you know. Yeah. So 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 the, all those things were were part of kind of the lore and of the place of of going down to these mountains that you know, truly felt wild and tough and like everything that you'd sort of kind of imagined, um, it would be like, I'd been to, 
the San Juans previously, obviously in school, um, from, uh, living in Durango and I'd come out and th- rid my snowboard and stuff in Silverton and that kind of stuff. But I hadn't, uh, in recent, you know, sort of, uh, close to the, to the race. I hadn't really, um, been back other than actually I did do, um, the San Juan solstice three weeks before, um, mm which was against like most, you know, old timers recommendations. It's like, they're too close, like a 50 miler and a hundred miler three weeks apart, you know, and it, it, it definitely, uh, I definitely felt it on the second part of the race. You yeah, know, I, yeah. I f- felt like the innocence of youth would and, and kind of rubbery sort of body would like help, you know, get through that kind of stuff. But you, you definitely feel the, the fatigue and I didn't, didn't have the, the well, experience. It, it's so true. I mean, what you said about the Marco Olmo, Olmo to Killian changing of the guard and Kyle Skaggs, you know, totally yeah. changing the paradigm at hard rock a few years earlier when he was 23 or whatever, it totally was that time, time in the sport. And it's so fun to reminisce about this when, it was like everybody was reimagining how to train. Right. And then, yeah. And, and so doing the San Juan solstice, a super hard 50 miler just before hard rock, you know, it felt like the appropriate time in the history of the sport to like do risky, weird things like that, that the old timers would never have done. Right. Yeah. And that, I mean, you had like an other references like Matt Carpenter breaking the Leadville record and like his training was, you know, Jan one through the race, no less than two hours a day, every single day, you know? And he was just like so much running and so much volume. And and Kyle did the same thing. Like it was like live in the back of the truck, kind of this, this monk, you know, attitude and very, um, uh, very just kind of lifestyle based, you know, it's about the love of, of running and being in the mountains. And, and, and that was, uh, it was really fun and exciting. And it, and it was also, there was this idea of like kind of this edge and, and being like, really minimalist in the mountains and, and, you know, heading out with a pair of racing flats and a water bottle stuffed in the back of your shorts and away you go, you know, like I remember literally like, you know, we would have the little, uh, sport Hill, um, split shorts, they're the pack rats and they had those, those little pockets. Right. Um, so it's like, okay, how many gels can I fit in these? I got six on one side, six on the other side, 12 gels in the shorts. Dude, you know. it's this is so, <laughs> so funny to remember this and talk about all this stuff with you. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, I was so influenced by, by you guys too, you know, you and Tony and Kyle and yeah, I mean, like, even though I didn't, you know, have the long hair, you know, I was very much like, take the shirt off, stuff the water bottle in the shorts and, uh, you know, like what, what you said about my socks too now, like that's yeah, totally, I, noti- totally- I noted it in context. That's I wouldn't have totally- even thought about it now, you know? <laughs> well, it's like, <laughs> I, I started that trend. So thanks for the, uh, the shout out on that because now everybody's wearing crew length socks. I was doing that back in 2010, son. Come for on. sure. For sure. You so, were on the, you, you yeah. were ahead of the game on that front. And, yeah. but, but no, it, it is, it is important because the, that whole feel, um, I think of also like somebody like Bernd Heinrich and, and, you know, his, his, uh, like the book, why we run and his whole training up to the, um, Chicago hundred K like trying to set the world record in the hundred K on the, on the loop on roads, you know? Um, but his whole approach was like 20 mile cross country loop, um, no socks, you know, in the, sh- everything trimmed really, really minimal yeah. and just like live in the cabin split wood, run as much as possible and get like super fit for the holistic kind of environment that you're in, you know? Yeah. So there's this like already this thought of like, 
um, all around athleticism and the, the mountains, certainly the San Juans command that kind of respect. And you don't feel like you want to be like too wispy, you know? And so if you're going with nothing, you I feel like the training had to be pretty stout to feel, okay, I, I got this. Like it's two o'clock in the morning and how, uh, well, no, this wasn't the Hal year, but I, the tw 2012 is the following year with Hal yeah. just reminds me, you know, he goes up handies at, in the dark with freaking Mobin sleeves on and no shirt, you know, and it was just an attitude, you know, there was, it was really like, um, I don't know, like kind of rock and roll in the style. And, and, and I, I love, I love that. It was really a really compelling thing, you know, yeah. um, like, um, you know, David Clifford, that the old, uh, yeah. uh um, not Cliffy from Aspen photographer, but, uh, uh, is it David? No, it's, uh, Oh, uh, uh, Eric Clifton, Eric, Eric Clifton. Thank Eric you. Clifton. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was, I was thinking Aspen there for a sec, but Eric Clifton, you know, he'd show up in his tie dye skirts and his racing flats. And, <laughs> so there's this quirky vibe, but also, um, a really kind of, um, I guess edge focus too, you know, mm -hmm. like people are trying to go hard and not that they weren't before um but i think there was a switch in terms of evolution like killian for utmb taped his camelback to his chest you yeah. know it just had to have the required the required gear like took like panties like you know uh little pantyhose panty yeah. uh, as as the tights you know so there's this evolution in thinking too of like well we don't need so much stuff and and you know there's less of this like oh we're going out to jog and it was more we're going out to to really race although the reality of is is you know you're slogging up the hill and yeah. you're walking and it's you know you're way too cold in the storm with just a tiny little jacket but but the attitude and the vibe was was pretty compelling and exciting yeah and, uh, yeah so so pick it up um you know maybe a telluride where i picked you up in uh the 2011 hard rock yeah so so <laughs> So the race, you know, un I just didn't have much experience. And that year, I think it was trending towards uh, Charlie Thorne was like, oh, we want to keep it wild and tough, you know, so less markings, less like, you, you know, the idea of you have to know the course and you, you don't just come in here and it, it's a it's a graduate sort of run you know yeah. it's not just your 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 intro hundred and you needed a qualifier for that right so I hadn't seen or recon like the sec like much of the course at all um i knew bits and pieces of it but when you're wicked tired like so it's telluride in the direction we were going which was uh counterclockwise was 70 miles yeah. into the into the race so i i pick you up and i'm out of my mind bonking stomach is 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 heinous and <laughs> I believe I might be wrong with this, but I, I think that year we went up Bridalvale Falls. We did. Um, yeah, we did. Yes. So it's three miles longer and you walk up this heinous road really compared to the Bear Creek Trail, which is such a beautiful trail. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and much more direct. Here you're just, you know, winding up in this long road. And we went out and I had a ziplock, I think, of like chips and and, a, and cookies or something like that. <laughs> and, and, and just, and just the classic death march, you know, I'd been warned, like, you know, Telluride's the death hole. When you come in there, it's going to be two, three in the morning, you're going to be worked. And sure enough, I mean, I came in just, just, yeah, 
completely blown up. Uh, well, yeah. And, and you spent yeah. like, a, you spent like an hour there too. So, and of course we didn't know each other super well. I was riding around with Tony and your wife, Deanne and, and you know, you come in and I'm like, Oh shit. Like I came all the way down here and he's not even going to leave this aid station. Like we're not even going to do this. Cause yeah, spent like an hour there. And then you sure enough, you know, an hour later you get up ready to go. And I'm like, Oh shit. He actually is going to go. I got to go with him now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's funny. It's a difficult thing, you know, because uh, pacing is much harder, I think, than than people realize. Yeah. And you'd never run a hundred, and we no, didn't know I each had, other. I had. Remember, I had just done. Um, I had just done San Diego like a few weeks oh, right. earlier. Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, we this. were we were both kind of in the similar phase of our careers where you know, we're very eager, you know, very much like caught up in both the lifestyle and like the performance aspect of things. And yeah. also, um, and also new, you know, and still trying to learn. So it was, uh, it was, I mean, it's, it's such a great memory for me in my career. So anyway, we were marching up, uh, <laughs> we march up Oscars and, and, uh, so we mark uh, up Oscars, which is a beast of a climb. I mean, and, and even if you're feeling good, it's, it's just long. And, and then the Bridal Veil Road gives it, gives it an additional kind of little oomph, oomph to the climb. So then you come down to Chapman Aid Station at 80 some miles in, and um, there's a, a long climb up on the backside of Chapman uh, to uh, Grand Swamp Pass. And Grand Swamp Pass is actually the only uh, real spot I had reconned the week before. <laughs> so I'd come from Ice Lakes and I'd hiked up to the other side. And, uh, you know, you look off the pass and, and, and you look down to where you'll be coming up, but it's rugged. There's not really a trail. You know, it's everything sort of looks the same. And we come up uh, way below, like probably 2000 feet below the pass. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a bit circuitous through these boulder fields. And we're on an actual trail. Um, but I convince you uh, that that it, we have to make an off trail turn and start marching up this adjacent pass to Grand Swamp Pass. And I was like, dude, I've, I've been here. This is the only one I checked out before the race. I know it for sure. And you're like, but um, <laughs> why, why would they no have markings. markers? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I swear, man, there's markings. Oh shit, there's a mountain lion. And like, yeah. I, I, I had this, like I was so tired and losing my mind that I started to see right in front of you because you were ahead yeah. of me marching up this hill. And you're like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll walk up the hill if you want and 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 i'm like dylan there's there's this cat right in front of you and you're just like dude just just calm down stop and we get to the top of the other pass which is nothing the you know wrong, it's this, the this, wrong fucking pass <laughs> the wrong fucking pass and i did propose to uh to go over the cliffs <laughs> and you're like no and it's i remember this so clearly like it was yesterday because it's the only time you snapped you were just like so chill the whole time and supportive and helping me and everything and you're just like no dude shut up like we're turning around and we're going back down to the trail and you're just going to follow me and, 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 you know, and, and that's what we're going to do. And so we got then, back on course. And, and then sure enough, we get back on course and we go like another, like 10 meters. And the next marking was like 10 meters down the trail. Right there. Right there. <laughs> no, and then it was, uh, and then I think we got, we got sort of uh, sandwiched in, um, Darcy and, um, Diana Finkel were yeah. battling it out. And it was kind of fun because we, we were, 
I was bonking and worked and we just done this extra 2k avert, you know, stupid detour. But then we were kind of, you know, caught in this pretty exciting, um, race unfolding and, and yeah, we, you know, brought it in and, and then you crawled in the back of your Jeep <laughs> yeah. instantly. Like I kissed the rock and I was like, Dylan's Dylan. gone, man. Dylan is out. <laughs> Dude, what um, a great, what a great memory. And, and just to add some color, you were totally, uh, hallucinating because before you saw the mountain lion, the way you convinced me we were going the right way is you said, Oh, there's, there's another runner up there. And I said, where? And he's, you said, Oh, he, he must've just gone up and over the pass. So I was like, okay, we actually are going the right way. And then a half hour later or whatever, you're like, Oh dude, there's a mountain lion. And then you sat down and you're like, oh, I think I'm hallucinating. <laughs> yeah, no, this was a, it was a very strange, very strange experience, but it's funny how like that was my first, probably one of my first and nearly ever times hallucinating. Like yeah. it's not really happened to me um, that ITI a little bit um, up in Alaska. Like yeah. I had, you know, three days or so without sleep and you're just like, okay, I'm starting to yeah. see sled dogs running by me and things like that. But other than that, I've, I've never really experienced it quite like that. It was pretty, yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty interesting experience. Well, dude, it's, it's so funny. I mean, and it, it was so fun to look back on too, because, you know, obviously I was a novice pacer and the intelligent thing to do would have been like, uh, like maybe I should think about this a little bit more. And, you know, obviously you were convincing me otherwise. And we were out there for, I think like almost 11 or 12 hours. And I would absolutely, I needed a pacer myself, I think at the end of it. And we're coming up yeah. on 10, 10 years now. And now I finally have an opportunity to run the, the race myself. So you're going to have to come back and we can redeem ourselves over, over those last 30 miles. I'm there, man. I'm there for you. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, what's so funny is that when you're saying like, oh, I, you know, could have been a better pacer. I think in, in the moment, um, I, well, first off, I didn't think that then, but it's definitely something that I've thought about, you know, in subsequent years of just like yeah. the benefits and the advantages of having or not having a pacer. And just even like ethically, <clears throat> the idea for hard rock is to accompany someone for the run, mm -hmm. but not to aid them in any way, you know, uh, so uh. directions, those kinds of things, like it, it, it inevit inevitably ends up happening where you have like obviously you're talking with the person, the person's there. Like, it's not just this, you know, there's two headlamps. There's a, there's an aid to a certain extent, but I do think there's an interesting like little piece of, of, you know, if you do get lost, it's your own fault. It's yeah. not, you, you have no responsibility in that regard. Um, other than, you know, not leaving me, you know, if I'd roll my ankle or something, there's, you know, there's that kind of a, um, idea, but I, I think it was, yeah, originally the idea is just to have somebody that goes with you. And for safety reasons, because you are pretty far out. This was pre, you know, beacons and 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 we weren't carrying any, you know, really tracking have devices. Like Gaia to pull pull the phone out and yeah. just check the GPS track or anything. None of that. We, I mean, we didn't. Yeah, it didn't have phone really, yeah. flip phone, you know. <laughs> so yeah. it was, yeah. So so that's kind of an interesting part to it, where it was like, um, I, I always then sort of thought as pacing as like it certainly gives you a psychological advantage, but it's so much about just sharing the experience together, you know, uh -huh. and that's, that's, what's a really cool, cool part about it. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's all good points. And I think, 
illustrative of, you know, an, another great thing. And just like, it was probably the second or third longest run I'd ever done in my life at that point. And even though it was totally type two fun and I did get a little pissed off at you a little bit, I mean, it, <laughs> at the end, you know, it formed this, this cool friendship and a great memory. And, you know, we both learned from it and you've been back and podiumed a couple of times at hard rock. And now I finally have an opportunity, hopefully, you know, after two, two years yeah. after being pulled in the lottery to, to go do it myself. So, um, so fun to look back on that. Uh, I, I didn't expect we'd spend, you know, a half hour talking about it, but any other <laughs> kind of like, um, reflections, I mean, you and I sort of came into the sport around the same time and we've already talked about this at length, but any other kind of reflections on those early days and, and, uh, you know, where we are now and, um, you know, things in between yeah. comments on the sport. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty, yeah, certainly a broad question. There's so much has changed, so much have evolved. I mean, in a lot of ways, just even that story of so kind of naive, you know, of, of us just, and that was what was great about it. Um, I think our common bond was found in just like really loving the activity. And that's something that has always um, interested me in in running and, and, and certainly in, in the types of like, say, courses and races and even just like kind of picking events and things like that there's always has to be like kind of an intrigue like something that it's we're going on this adventure you know we're and and so while i have repeated a lot of races over the years it was more i think in how i guess the the broader industry and sort of machine was kind of morphing into mm -hmm what is quote unquote, like defining like of the culture of like saying like, this is what ultra running is. This is what it represents. This is what it's about, you know? And so we really went down that, that um, like transition from a very grassroots pursuit to a more professionalized, you know, um, organized even, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, and certainly uh, like you look at contact, uh, a context like hard rock, there's only 150 runners. Like, yeah. you know, when you're in Silverton in the morning, it's not, it's this, uh, big thing like you would have a, a UTMB, but it's still such a marquee event. And there's all these, like, there's this lore and these kind of, you know, ideas around, um, what ultra running is, you know, attached to that specific like event and place. And, and so that kind of started, I think, to, um, delineate a bit of a um, an aesthetic you know for the sport where you had the previously like western states dominated like in i mean hard rock had its place and it was there but very much in terms of the competitive sphere it's just so few people that could get in and the race was exciting but you know comparatively speaking it was just like western was where it was at you know in in terms of american you know 100 milers and and so that whole like heat training and it's a running race western is mm -hmm. um you know it pushes people into that's the kind of training and focus and preparation and everything the whole six eight months leading up to the event um you know in terms of the quote-unquote sort of professional elite side of things is becomes tailored around being ready for that you know mm -hmm. so what's then put out in terms of the sport um is defined by sort of um you know what people are doing yeah. um and, and now you fast forward to you know 2021 
And I think you've got, um, there's a maturity phase that's occurred that is now um, not plateauing, but sort of splintering into a sort of a broader way to engage with the activity. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't, in COVID, it certainly um, reinforced that element of like, okay, we're going to take away events for a year. Yeah. And, and, and so what is then our, um, um, you know, why do we run? Yeah. <laughs> why do we do this? Like where, and so, so it's really asking this question of kind of like, well, why was I into this in the first place, you know, mm -hmm. and to come back to like that 2011 feeling, um, Yes, there was a racing element to it and a performance edge to it, you know, uh, but really it was about, man, it was just about like being in the mountains and, and freaking yeah. like running, you know, and, yeah. and there was this just pure raw passion that I loved about it. Like I wasn't making yeah. any money or right. anything. I mean, you know, it was just at a, just a tiny few couple of sponsors. It was, you know, gear stuff. It, it wasn't yeah. about that at all, you know, right. and and so then you get, I mean, there wasn't um, even really like social media either, you know, like we were reading each no. other's blogs. It wasn't like, you know, yeah. you could follow somebody on Instagram and, and, uh, you know, learn about the sport that way. You had to like really try to learn at that point. Yeah. And you, and you had to, I think, you know, love it and want to do it for what it is rather than for, you know, the image or the aesthetic of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think of like when you're a kid, you play you know, I played a lot of different sports and things and, and everything was about feeling, you know, everything was about doing it. You know, it wasn't so much about like, oh, I, I want to be considered like a soccer player and sure, you know, you sure you might wear the sweats and stuff to school or, you know, have some sort of identifying thing, right. To be a mm -hmm. part of your, your group. But the thing that really got me going was actually doing the activity. And so yeah. when it transferred over to running, it was like, whoa, running is such an amazing tool, right? Like it's essentially, it's not free, but the basic activity is, you know, yeah. the basic act of just running. Um, we do, you know, basically we learn to walk and then we're, our, you know, we're moving. <laughs> yeah. And so it's such a fundamental thing to our, to who we are. Mm -hmm. So when you engage at it, when you, you sort of kind of perfect that tool, your lungs, your legs, your, your, you know, your mind in the environment, you're just kind of perfecting and working on this intrinsic thing, you know, yeah. that we've, we've, we've done from the start. Yeah. And so, yeah, getting into ultra running for me was just like this, wow, like the possibilities, the fascination with the places that it could take you and the friends, the people, yeah. you know, like sharing those moments with you. I mean, it's a unique bond that forms out of that, that yeah. you have perhaps now had with other people, you know, at other events and, and, Certainly when you get into projects and things that are multi-day and stuff like that, when you get way, way, you know, yeah. <laughs> into that kind of raw elemental state, um, you have these very, I, I would say, profound bonds and, and exchanges that, that last a really long time. Yeah. And that's super compelling. Um, and so then the the sport, though, it, it it's difficult to just like you know, encapsulate that and yeah. put that out into some marketing and be like, yeah, this is why you run. So the metrics element, the performance, the event, the more tidy kind of like way of, I guess, not only documenting it, but making it understandable to people. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, you run a hundred miles. Like that's crazy. You know, and there's like this already, this kind of, 
I don't know, idea of, of, of what that means that might not actually be representative of the experience at all, you yeah. know? Um, mm -hmm. So I find that now, today, we've kind of come to a period where there has been a lot of racing done. Mm -hmm. That side of things has developed tremendously. Um, and in, in many good ways, there's so much excitement in the, the different series that, you know, there's, there's all these great, great things. And, and also just in terms of participation, it gives people an, an option to get in much like climbing gyms do, right. Where you mm -hmm. can just kind of come to ultra running and be like, Oh, cool. I'll sign up for a 50 K and mm -hmm. then I'll train for six months and go, you know, walk, run, you know, hit the buffet every five miles and, and, and cruise the 50 K and it's yeah. a grand time, yeah. you know, and there's this like ease now of entry, which I don't think was as prevalent before. Totally. Um, yeah. it was more of a, and I'm not saying that there's not raw passion now and that people don't do it for the love. Like yeah. absolutely. But I think that the, uh, entry points were because they were more difficult. They, they kind of came from this more like, you know, um, instinctual, like, I really want to do this yeah. kind of place, you know? Yeah. Wow, man. Yeah. It's again. And also just like the feeling of the time too, of being, feeling like we were on sort of like the leading edge of this next generation of the sport. And I was so, yeah. you know, it's inspired by, by you guys. And I remember, you know, another, sort of one of our early memories together was, was crewing for Anton at UTMB when I had blown my ankle out in 2013. And one oh, thing, yeah. that, one thing that you said that has stuck with me ever since was, um, something to the effect of, you know, in the U S ultra running was born out of the sport of running, but in Europe, it's born out of mountaineering. And, you know, for me, not being able to race and, and riding around with you guys. I mean, it became totally clear that like, I was not prepared for that race at all. And so, you know, it's, it was such a, such a fun time in my life and so fun to kind of look back on and now so fun for, for us to be able to talk about after, you know, being friends and, and, you know, you influencing me and my career over the years, but well, you know, we've probably done enough reminiscing at this point. So <laughs> kind of let's, let's come a little bit closer to present day. I want to talk about some of the things you've done recently. Um, you know, starting with this, this home to home project, which you did in 2019, right? I did. Yeah. So let, tell me how that came to be and, and kind of explain what it was. Yeah. So what happened as I, you know, explained at the start of the, of the conversation was that, you know, we moved to Durango and, uh, been living in the front range for 10 years and, um, decided that a cool way to rally my home, our, you know, in the North to our new home in the South would be to run the Colorado trail, which is, you know, the artery of the state and really starts, I mean, it's Denver to Durango. So it's, it's, it's kind of perfect in its, uh, in its symmetry that way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do, um, it, it was a, as a really a personal, uh, um, project, like something that was much less about, FKTs and um, the performance side of things, even though, you know, 10, 15 years of doing that has like ingrained, you know, as you, you've, we've got this way of thinking about yeah. projects that is very um, linear and accepted, you know, and so you, 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 you draw the line, you go, you look at other people's times, brr, you know, try to go fast and yeah. then boom, that's it, you know. 
And I, I felt like in the same way as like we, you know, kind of started for the love that I, I felt that there was this um, other intrigue around what running could do um, for, you know, just uh, as an experience. And, and I've been wanting to have um, more of a shared experience. So I've done a lot of my projects before solo. And there's this kind of like, I want to go spend time by myself and figure my own shit out, you know, in my head and yeah. be in the mountains and that kind of thing. And here, uh, it was like, I wanted to do it with friends. And so my friend Forrest Woodward, she's a photographer and a uh, film director and uh, Brenda Davis, who's a, a photographer out of um, Boulder. Um, and then uh, my other friend, Chris Parker, who's a, a musician, um, joined me on this as my support crew, rambling sort of rolling procession of van and truck um, accompanying down, down the CT. And we did it uh, with all uh, to document it all, with all using all analog media. Um, so Forrest and Brendan filmed on a 16 millimeter camera. Um, I took pictures using my, um, I had this little Olympus point and shoot. So I used a, a roll of film a day. Um, and, um, Chris, uh, being a musician wrote, uh, songs, um, uh, inspired by the trail all the while we're, we're kind of, you know, trying to run this thing too, you know, and, it's funny because it's not a spreadsheet, you know, kind of crew. Right. So, right. and this, the CT is pretty straightforward, but it's definitely, <laughs> there's definitely spots where, you know, a little more organization might've served us better in terms of the, <laughs> the, the performance element. Um, but that wasn't the point. And so it was kind of setting the context and, and seeing what unfolds. Right. Mm. Um, so on the first day, I set out, uh, you know, running the CT and I ran from uh, Waterfield Canyon in Denver to Kenosha Pass, which is like 74 miles and 30 miles in, I started just getting sick as a dog, just like absolutely awful. Um, you only have 500 it, miles ahead of you. Exactly. I mean, I mean, literally just barely even, you know, barely even scratch the surface and I'm walking downhill on on a very smooth little trail um with kind of brendan behind me you know commenting that like well you're more of a hiker anyway right like <laughs> and i'm like yeah yeah you know and so i got to kenosha pass at like three o'clock in the morning completely blown up you know hadn't eaten um yeah. hardly at all and and that sort of just set the tone for how i was going to feel physically for the rest of the the experience but I decided, you know, that it was more important, I guess, to try and um, get us down to Durango and mm -hmm. just like do it and not focus. Because it's really difficult when you're spent so much time thinking about time yeah. <laughs> to to not, you know. And and I remember, I think it was the second or third day, I took my watch off. And I, I left it in the van and I was just like, I just need to kind of be, you yeah. know, in, in the place. And, and, but I was physically hurting a lot. So that also creates like a kind of a mental cloud of, if you're pushing up against this discomfort all the time and you're not able to like 
I don't know, lean into all the emotion and all the feeling and really be in the place because you're just hurting, you know? So it's this weird like mix of of emotions and things, but that's in some ways what made it so um, intriguing and interesting. Um, I think, I hope for for Brendan and Forrest and, 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 you know, Chris as well, like we just had a good time, you know? Even though the actual... um, articulation of it was was a little more strained than 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 you know perhaps yeah. <laughs> most people would think in terms of having a good time it was still it was still like a really unique experience so what was the philosophy behind the all analog media portion of it i mean it seems like it was sort of like a multidisciplinary art project of photography yeah. and writing and songwriting and and you're you're part of the art and in addition to photography was performance and running so what was the philosophy there well that actually just uh getting back to the tactile sort of um really being in the moment you know actually doing it and i feel that sometimes documenting um can take you out of of the moment like the analog process is um, one that it, it's, it's, it's a physical thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the image is held on the, on the film and then you develop it and it, you know, and it appears and you've got it on paper and, 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 and there's something, um, there's a unique quality to that compared to it being in the cloud. Right. And yeah. running as an experience, like we talk about it and ad nauseum and all different angles, but, but fundamentally it's about, running like doing it you know and and so i think that what i wanted to to experience was sort of the the parallel between those things Mm -hmm. in terms of what is it if you really are there that you're experiencing what is it that you're capturing um and how does that translate to photographs how does it translate to motion film you know Mm -hmm. um and i think of it as this way of i don't know like um life's in motion, you know, things are unfolding all the time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're out on the trail running, you kind of sync. I feel like with, with that motion. Synchronize. Yeah. Yeah. Synchronize, you know, with the, with the motion of life, the pace. Uh And so I'm kind of rambling down this trail and I have these moments where it feels like everything that's unfolding around you, you're sort of on, on key, you know, you're just, you're, you're running at that same pace. And so it's a way to access that sort of state of, of flow or state of sort of, I guess, um, clarity in, in, in not so much in, uh, a, a, a logical, like sort of thought process understanding, but more in a feeling way of feeling like part of an environment and really like immersed in it, you know? Yeah. So that's the idea with the analog aspect is to, not only do that in the physical side of running, but also try to do it in the way that, you know, you capture it and share it afterwards. So bringing in that kind of tactile element. So are you guys putting together any kind of, uh, you know, film or or book or something on this project? Yeah. We're putting together uh, like a bunch of little pieces. So um, we're going to have a, Chris has written a four song EP. Um, and so we're going to print some vinyl and we're going to do, um, 
a book or maybe books. Um, can't, I don't want to, you know, there's, there's, there's lots sure. of little pieces to it, but, uh, but, and then there's going to be, yeah, there's a, we, uh, Forrest and Brendan got 32 minutes of film because, you know, uh, when you're filming with the Bolex, it's like you get, I think it's three minutes at a time per mm -hmm. roll. <laughs> so you have to be pretty selective uh, about what you're shooting, which is another interesting part about uh. having, you know, like I restricted. You can't just my, have a, a GoPro mounted to your chest for eight days, huh? Yeah, and you just and you're just you know you've got yeah. all these files and massive amounts of stuff. And here it's like you have to be selective. Like I had 36 frames on my camera per day. Yeah, you know, and sometimes that felt like a lot. Where uh, I'm just like ah, everything looks the same. Kind of, I'm just been in this tunnel for 20 miles, like on this single track, like in the forest and there's mm -hmm. nothing really to see, but then maybe I'll lean over on my poles and, you know, dry heaving and I'll look down at the ground and you're like, Oh, this, this kind of, this, this moss and leaves cool. and this is cool. And so it's trying to, you know, shift your perception from these, um, um, you know, things that are in the future, like trying to meet my mileage every day or trying to get someplace and instead really like sinking into like what's there in the moment. And, and I, it, it's, 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 it was challenging. Like, I'm not going to say that it, <laughs> right. it was, uh, you know, um, this obviously in retrospect is easier to kind of, um, observe, but the, but the point is not to, for it to be necessarily easy or, a certain thing, right? It's, it's to try and take away those expectations and then see what spontaneously comes up. And so the, the book record film, like there's going to be more elements to that, that are going to be more tangible and live performance oriented in. Wow. Cool. Yeah. So I want that to be, uh, we want that as a, as a group to, you know, just to share the feel of Col the Colorado trail. Like, like what it's like to, to be on the trail and, and, and our perspectives are all different, um, you know, going down, going down that and using different mediums allows you to have a little bit broader, I guess, palette yeah, to be able to express those things. Sort of have a 360 things. experience artistically. That's a brilliant yeah. idea, man. That is, that's so, so cool. So, thanks. you know, you, you, you ran all the way to Durango, which is now your home. And I know you've got another sort of project uh, that you've been brainstorming now uh, in Durango, close to home. Uh, can you yeah. talk a little bit about that and what the idea is, how it came to be and what you hope to do with it? Yeah. So on the tail end of, 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 um, home to home, you know, this happened in the fall of 2019, uh, September, uh, I recovered from th that effort and we started to organize photos and things like that. And then rolled into 2020. And of course, um, you know, COVID hit and we had to stay at home and I, it, it synced with kind of where I was at, like just having moved to a new place to Durango and then also coming off of this project where I'd been thinking intensely about home and place and, you know, being in Colorado specifically, uh, I thought, well, this is a great opportunity to, you know, get to know my new surroundings and new area better. So I started mapping out a route, a tour of the San Juans, um, that I dubbed the Southwest Classic, which is a 
essentially a 400 mile loop that's bookended by the 14 14ers of the San Juans and um, goes through six wilderness areas and just gives you not a full experience because there's so many yeah. amazing things to to see but it gives you you know an impression of of uh of the area um and goes specifically to play or i tried to you know find highlights that were intriguing like for instance the wheeler uh, geological monument which is outside mm -hmm. of creed uh it looks very similar to bryce canyon um and it's actually these these crazy um monolith formations that are ash plumes from uh from the super volcanoes that erupted you know 28 million years ago yeah. so things like that when you start to kind of shift from like how fast can i go through these hills to like what's going on around me and mm. and you know looking at, at at place and i think it just gets gets um certainly gets me more in tune with um with the environment and um and wanting to uh to better understand it to better live in 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 the place that i'm at you know if, if that makes sense a hundred percent so you've got the whole route mapped out now and now is it yeah so i'm so i mapped the route out and then last summer uh, i attempted it um and it, it was going incredibly well uh so the the actual route that i want to put out to the community and share will start probably at the beginning of the CT in Durango. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just a, a, a fairly, it's not a convoluted crazy route, but it's just that it, it's good to have this anchor point, right? That people can start and finish at. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, I wanted to just go out my back door and, and so, and, and, you know, literally like just walk out from home do the loop and come walking back into the house, you know? So that's just sort of compelling to me is like, well, let's back door, you know, yeah. and let's go. Yeah. Uh, so, and then the, so that's why, uh, fast packing is sort of a little bit more conducive to that style. Mm -hmm. So just setting out with the pack, um, and because of the wilderness areas, biking isn't, you know, the most, um, you know, the easiest way to travel. So I figured it, it is like a multi-day kind of fast pack concept. Right. So I went, um, to try it in uh yeah i think it was august early august um had a had a window oh actually it was around the um the core act you know the the uh core act which was a um a bill that was they're trying to pass around um protection of wilderness areas mm -hmm. in colorado and uh it's like protecting 400,000 acres of of wilderness and in the san juans it's 60,000 acres so the the route kind of went through different uh places that the core act was looking to protect and so mm -hmm. i i paired it with uh with uh pow uh pow's work in in trying to elevate sort of this uh this, um, you know, oh, this bill is coming and, you know, support it kind of thing because it's going to um, help protect these areas. Um, yeah. So that's why I how had a, a week of awareness week going on. So that's why I started doing it early August. Um, and then I got 200 miles in 
and broke the straps. I was using this proto pack and uh, ripped a, a strap off. Um, and, and so I wasn't able to make the repair in the field. Yeah. Um, and, and so that I was in Lake city <laughs> and actually on the top of uh, Wetterhorn and I called the and I'm like, Hey, like, uh, um, <laughs> mind coming and picking Come me up because I've, 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 I've ripped the pack and, and it's hard to explain because it's like, I was, of course, I could have had her bring me another pack yeah. and, and, you know, to try to change, but, uh, you know, to try to, you know, finish the route off then. But w my idea was really, I wanted to kind of feel it in one go, you know, mm -hmm. in, in one full sort of like, just be immersed in it for as long as it, as it would take. Mm -hmm. So I felt like, all right, I'm going to, go scope some of the rest of it out later in the, in the, in the, you know, as much as, as the weather allows and, and, and then, and then try and complete the whole thing, um, this, this coming June probably. So, yeah. Again, yeah. dude, it's just, it's such a brilliant idea. And I imagine that once the route is established, uh, it'll become, uh, a coveted project that people are going to want to pursue themselves. And it, it's funny just talking about, both the home to home project and the Southwest classic. And it's just like a theme about who you are, like your tour of the 14ers where you did the bike and run and <clears throat> your, your unsupported Nolans. And, and then like, even as far back, like you mentioned that I did a rod trail invitational and doing these winter sure, yeah. up in Alaska. Like you always have this like really creative and artistic approach to things where do you think that comes from and like maybe talk a little bit about your process of coming up with these personal projects yeah thanks i, I think it's just honestly driven by curiosity and and uh, first and foremost like i said earlier uh, you know i got into running um well i first got into running because it, it was literally i was taking this gap here after high school, moved to, to came to the U.S. and I was sort of uh, greyhounding and uh, you know uh, hitchhiking around the East Coast and and I figured that if I um, would run to the different sites, I could see more and do more. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't a runner, you know, yeah. and but I just I got out and I would get off the bus and like run to the museum and run to the next spot and do these things. And I was just like, <laughs> great, like, you know, and, and I had these Nike Tupu trail runners, I remember, and I was just like, this is a perfect little shoe for it. <laughs> and uh yeah, it was just a funny, uh, very utilitarian approach. Like I'd done a lot of running uh for other sports, but never as a dedicated kind of pursuit. Um, I just felt like I like to play more and the the running was a little too disciplined and serious and mm. there there wasn't that 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 play aspect or at least I thought there wasn't and mm -hmm. I hadn't really um it hadn't clicked yet you know um but then I went to uh Canada on a, a random little side trip on that on that on that same um uh, gap year and ran up Mont Tremblant um uh, if for you know ran to the top and and my 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 trail food was a can of tuna I, I ate I just knew nothing you know but I remember what I do remember is running like getting to the top eating my can of tuna and then there's this like kind of a shoot running down like just like straight off the top yeah and and just running like with no like thoughts and yeah. just bombing down the hill and being like wow this is an amazing 
feeling you know it's just kind of incredible when it clicks and that's kind of what got me i think like hooked to this idea that oh maybe you can sort of do more interesting things like trail running starts with trail and so it's an environment based activity when you when you think about it right Mm. um so the running aspect was compelling to me but what was more compelling was how it related to the environment and what i could go and yeah. see and, and experience in, in that environment. Again, this like uh, lifestyle versus performance elephant uh, element. Yeah. So, so the right at the start, I like at the, uh, you know, getting into the activity, my, my, um, I guess my interests were, um, out of this curiosity of where running could take you. So then mm-hmm. going into events, the first race I ever did was the Waldo hundred K, you mm-hmm. know, and I did that because I, I didn't really care about the distance. It was just something like, oh, it's right here in Oregon. Sounds like a good adventure. Um, I just come off of, I'd ridden my bike across the country, um, across the U.S. So I just did this 4,200 mile bike ride. So I was in adventure mode, you know, and, and I was like, yeah, great. Like 100K, like head out into the hills with a bunch of other, you know, uh, uh, folks that like this too. And, and the, everything just about the vibe, like, you know, hanging out the night before around the fire. Um, it's very low key. It just clicked with me, you know? Mm-hmm. So then when thinking of racing, I, I took that same approach, like, Oh, I want to go to the Copper Canyon because I saw Scott Jurek went to the Copper Canyon. He was a character that was coming up and interesting dude. And he went to this, you know, run with these, these, uh, the, the Tarahumara. And, and I thought that was fascinating and, and, was curious about that experience. And then later, you know, going running with the marathon monks had a, in Japan, similar type of, um, uh, I guess, interest, right. was like, Oh, wow. Like people are, or like I mentioned, Bernd Heinrich earlier, you know, of, of just, just characters that, that, that I find, uh, interesting and that were doing interesting things, you know? Mm-hmm. So racing was naturally like, well, yeah, I'll go back to France to run, the UTMB. Why? Because you run around Mont Blanc, you know, mm. and that's amazing. Like I didn't care about the competition. Of course, yeah. like my ego gets involved. And when you're there toeing the line, like you're, you're ready to go, you know, right. but, but the, the genuine like sort of prompt is, is much more about being out there. So when projects come up, I think I try to not um, as much as possible to just have an open mind about mm-hmm. things, you, you know, rather than, and let things come to me. And so home to home, it's a circumstantial type of experience, right? Yeah. Where like, oh, I'm moving down there and there's the Colorado trail and it, you know, and it, it, this would be something that I feel the pieces kind of fit together in my mind. But maybe five years ago, I wouldn't have had that that spark because um, my head would have been in a different place. You know, mm-hmm. my head would have been maybe wrapped up in, in trying to be more competitive at a, at a hundred or something like that. And so I feel sometimes that events or even projects can put these kind of obstructions, you know, mm-hmm. on, on your outlook and, and, and say like, you get so narrow-minded and caught up in this one element of what the project is supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I've started to shift away from that way of thinking and having a more like open book kind of like the Southwest classic is like, I don't know really what's going to happen. And, but that's the intrigue, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to 
uh, kind of figure out what those things that come up are mm -hmm. and then how to try and share them so that there's something unique, not just about like, okay, you did the route, here's the stats, but here's a story, a narrative, something that unfolded, like, you know, that, that, that occurred. And that's what, I mean, that's what makes hard rock interesting. Mm -hmm. And specifically in terms of like an event, it's all the lore, you know, because otherwise we could just go and race it whenever like, yeah. you don't have to do the race. But so those things are, I don't know. It's, it's, I think sometimes forcing a narrative or being stuck in this idea of what you want to get out of um, a project, which is often performance based for us, because mm -hmm. that's what's, you know, nearly asked of us, right. Is yeah. to, this is what, you know, you need to present to the world because it's what the world understands. But then you see something like Transamericana um, and, and, and Ricky's ramblings and you're like, Oh, like it doesn't running is such a broad like experience right. that it's so much richer if people really do their own thing you yeah. know and certainly i feel inspired and and by others and like justin simone had done all the 14ers before me you know mm -hmm. it's not a novel idea but my experience is unique you mm -hmm. know and so the 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 concepts are you borrow and you know <laughs> you just think of things that like other people have done that, Oh, cool. This is, and then you make it your own. And I think that's, what's sort of compelling about the projects. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Ricky because yeah, you two both kind of occupy a similar space in the sport and you both, it seems like to me kind of think similarly, you both have kind of this creative artistic bent to you and, and come up with these just amazing ideas that inspire people in a different way than, you know, Jim Walmsley or Courtney DeWalter going and smashing, you know, some yeah. iconic course record somewhere. Do you find that your, your motivations have, have changed a bit as we've grown older and you sort of moving away from the feeling that you want to compete more and away from that performance attitude and more to closer to that lifestyle attitude? Um, I think I'm more honest in who I am and and what I like mm -hmm. and what actually drives me and excites me. Whereas um, there was a sort of like timing and is important, you know, in terms of the opportunities that were available to me when I was 23 new and experiencing the sport, you know, mm -hmm. and the considerations to say, go and race UTMB are different you know, when it's your first time doing it or at the height of your kind of competitive career, you know? So I think that that's changed in that there's more space in the sport to um, support other things. Like somebody like Brendan Leonard, you know, with Semirad um, mm -hmm. is doing such, you know, fun, creative, awesome things. And he's not, um, racing at an elite level, you know, mm -hmm. that's not his thing, but he can exist in the space and be a fantastic contributor to the overall culture, um, in, in a much different way than maybe you would be able to 10 years ago, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's this maturity of the sport that then coincides with, um, you know, more, I guess, opportunity to do things that are different than mm -hmm. what the status quo is maybe dictating, you mm -hmm. know, 
whereas I felt like maybe early in my career, um, it was, that was it, you know, like you, you had to do it. And, and I, I, I wouldn't say it was a bad thing, like discipline and really kind of committing to performance, um, is, is a worthwhile thing to go through, you know? Um, I think my thinking is just a little bit more, um, um, it's a little less linear in trying to, to see all the other things that running brings to our lives that is, is compelling and and trying to develop that more Mm -hmm. as opposed to being stuck in this repetitive pattern that I feel like I have to kind of produce and and put out the same thing, you know, year in, year out. Um, not to say that it's not exciting, like the racing's really like, I mean, I love following it. And I mean, the year you were at UTMB, like what a exhilarating, you know, like I'm, it, I'm in it like fully, you know, and I love (laughs) it. But then there's also just in terms of your your French commentary and, uh, interviews at the aid stations. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, in the day in day out, you're, you're, I think there's just some, you, you know, you want, you got to find what's fulfilling and what is, um, you know, meaningful in, in terms of practicing running. And and if that's, uh, sinking into, to blocks for uh, your next race. Awesome. Yeah. And, and for me that, that I think has not maybe fully played its course. Um, but it's definitely changed, um, in terms of, the immediacy of it and feeling like that's something that I want to do like right now, you know, like, I I love, I love this kind of approach of like uh, coming to the sport as like a multidisciplinary art project, you know, and not only being an athlete and having a high performance motivated attitude, but then, you know, also working on being a better photographer and being, you know, being able to write about your experiences in a way that are, that's interesting and compelling to people and that will touch them in a different way. And and like, for me now, like doing the podcast is like such a fun thing for me, just uh, as like a adjunct to my life as an athlete to be able to like, you know, have these conversations. And I think uh, it's a good thing for, for younger people to, to think about, you know, and there is, it is so fun to be like only focused on the competitive side of things for a while and totally pour all your effort and energy into it. But I mean, at least uh, for me, you, you start to feel a little bit of a change in direction or a little bit less of a motivation where that's concerned. And, uh, and yeah, you get a little bit more curious about the, the lifestyle aspect of things. So. Well, and I think your value has superseded like your athletic ability you know, like there's a point, there's a few, um, there's a few exceptions to that where you've got like a, like Killian or somebody who's just so impactful on every aspect of the sport, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, but, but, you know, outside of those, those, those outliers, you know, most of us, you know, you, you do, you do hit a peak, right? Like you can still continue, I guess, to compete and to win races and be actually, you know, you look at someone like Bronco or whatever, and it's just like, you can still be very much in the mix, um, yeah. as you get older, but you also have all this experience and, you know, 
like you're you're developing pillars and 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 you know getting into that angle and mm. and you know Bronco I just mentioned is like coaching and so there's these other aspects you realize like wow 20 years of doing this it's it's there's a self-serving element to it that is also aspirational but then there's that's it's limited you know there's there's only so much that you can offer mm. through that avenue you know of of you know continual sort of yeah. progression when you look at it in professional sports it's like you don't like the team that wins all the time you know you're stoked <laughs> you're stoked when it's your team you know but you're also like, just like come on yeah, like yeah everybody's so happy the patriots aren't going to make the playoffs this year you know yeah you want, it, you, want, <laughs> you want the mix you know you want to have and it's not so you want to see the greats fall but you also that's what brings the excitement is yeah. the fact that Things aren't, you know, just this straight, you know, well, that person's anchored and is going to win everything all the time forever. Mm. And it's like, well, no, there's a ch changing, you know, things change and, things and that's change. exciting. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of things changing, you know, obviously this year has been wild. How have you, have you been spending your time during COVID year? Any, any uh, silver linings you want to share to, you know, sort of wind things down on, on a high note, things you've learned that, or things you've experienced that you otherwise would have missed had this been a normal year? Yeah. Um, well, I haven't traveled outside of Colorado really for an entire year, uh, which isn't probably unique to many, but to, uh, you know, our lifestyles and what we're accustomed to um, was certainly I mean, I went to, you know, to Oklahoma once and I, I went to Utah, but it was kind of brief little short little trips. And, yeah. and, and really it's been very, very uh, home centric. Uh, so that's been something that I've actually wanted to do for a long time. Like I felt always felt a little bit at odds with the traveling opportunities in, in that, you know, there's something at really awesome about it of mm -hmm. course and the learning that you get from it and the experiences wouldn't be what they are without that you know yeah. uh but there's also something just incredible about um knowing you know home and place better and that was the impetus behind doing all the 14ers you know was like yeah. i want to know the extended backyard better so in some ways i mean the silver lining for me is that um while there's a tremendous amount of suffering and, 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 and trauma and difficulty that's come out of this year being to, um, to, to have the, the, you know, I'm, you know, the privilege to be able to stay at home and basically be here and, you know, um, uh, have food on the table, have a, you know, have a, um, a, you know, a place to live has been really just like, I don't know, it's just so, I guess I just appreciate it so much. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that sometimes just like pausing helps to just take that step back and, and look at just how fortunate and, and, you know, with regards to the travel, it's like, instead of being like, ah, man, everything that I missed, it's like, what, what about everything that I gained by yeah. staying here and learning about, you know, these hills a little more, you know? And, and so it's, I see it more as a, a grounding and a rootedness, you know, rather than this like, um, restriction and, oh, this is, this is taken away from the experience. And rather it's forced me to think 
little differently and to, to, you know, to do something like the Southwest classic and, you know, have, have, have moments like that, or to get to know my neighbors better. And I've, I've been doing all these little house projects and things like that. And, you know, it's restricted the amount of people that you can kind of see and hang yeah. out with, but, but it's also like in that small little pod, um, I've, I've spent hours with my neighbor, like, you know, building woodshed and building all these different, you know, like <laughs> I get into like woodworking and things. And <laughs> these are all just like, yeah, really good, like skills that I think translate well to just, yeah. uh, you know, the rest that, of life. So and that, that you wouldn't um, be practicing if you were going over to UTMB or Tour de Jeans or something like that. It's funny you mentioned yeah. that because that's, that's totally my silver lining from this year as well Is you know, we moved to Portland not long ago and the plan was to go spend the whole summer in Colorado, getting ready for hard rock. And, uh, you know, having that canceled again, gave me the opportunity to spend the summer in the Northwest and everybody talks about the summer in the Northwest, but man, just totally blew me away and all the different recreational opportunities around here and having the, the opportunity to, to go after the Wonderland trail, which I, I wouldn't have done. And, um, yeah, congrats on that. That was a, a funny little, uh, cause I, cause, cause you got that and then it was broken. Like, <laughs> yeah. like two five or three days, days later, later, five yeah. days later. Yeah. 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 What, yeah. What a, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, but it's, it was a, it was a worthy, worthy thing to devote my time and attention to. And similarly, like I've been doing a bunch of work on, on the house and, you know, I tried to develop some skills on, on that front too. So yeah, things, things that I never thought I would be doing or. Well, know, even the podcast and, and the and way, too, the direction and, and yeah. working with your brother and like all, of the, and yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Like it just puts things in perspective about what really matters. And, and you look at like, yeah, you just take stock a little bit and there's, there's been times where it's been a lot more difficult and less reflective and more just kind of being um, taken for the ride. And then times where you can kind of feel like, okay, like I got, I got uh, a little more space to be able to sort of think about this and, and, and try to, yeah, to move forward, hopefully in a, in a better way. Okay. Uh, well, we're, we're recording this on January 7th when, you know, it seems our, our government is melting down, but uh, it's fun to be able to talk about silver linings with you and hopefully uh, we'll survive another year. Um, so just kind of wrapping up, Joe, this has been so, so freaking fun, man. So fun to connect with you again. And, um, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about plans for the future, what you're excited about personally, athletically, maybe touch, I was going to, I wanted to talk a little bit about black diamond, but so if you want to weave that in a little bit, what you guys are working on together, anything yep. outside the Southwest, Southwest classic that you're excited about? Yeah, the uh, the couple. So wrapping up uh, the components to um, some writing and things for the home to home project. I'm actually going to meet up with Forrest and Brendan um, next week to get get kind of uh, um, some of those pieces, um, you know, move further further along. Uh, so that will be. Yeah. When, when yeah. can we expect some of that stuff to be? delivered or like uh when when can we purchase the vinyl and then the book and see the movie uh well it's it's an evolving thing because of <laughs> the the you know the times <laughs> so yeah. that's been the challenge i mean it would have been it would have been um last 
uh, last fall. And then it got pushed to like maybe this spring. And then I don't know, things are pretty crazy right now. And so it might, it might have to wait a little bit longer. And because of the fact that it's not just about printing stuff and putting it online and selling it, there's going to be just a, a more of a live component to it that mm -hmm. we want to, um, you know, put forth. And so that's tricky, right? <laughs> when, uh, just live events are not really, um, possible right now or at least are are have to be done in a in a in a you know way that's not really as as yeah. uh conducive to bonding um so yeah. we'll see so we, we that that's a bit i'm not trying to be too uh cryptic about it but it's more just it is an evolving thing um and um southwest classic uh work on a little film um probably with uh, bd around that um and doing an angle that will be quite different from, um, just me running the, the thing. Um, it will be, uh, yeah, I can't really talk too much about the angle, but it will be a little bit of a, of a different, of a different, um, narrative. So I'm, I'm pretty excited, uh, about that aspect. Uh, the other thing I'm doing is I am, I'm working with Scarpa, um, on a, they're doing a mentorship program this year uh, for uh, marginalized communities to get um, basically mentorship from SCARPA athletes. And um, it will be everything from, you know, running to um, climbing, to skiing, to, to that kind of stuff. And also with all, within all those disciplines, you know, so, so it's really trying to match, um, athletes with uh, mentees that um you know have expressed like kind of what they want to do you know it's just like oh you want to run race a 50k and that's you know your goal great like you know we can help and just trying to match people with the best um the best mentorship mentee sort of dynamic and mm -hmm. so i'm really excited to see where that goes i think that's a um just mentorship initiatives in general are super positive for um getting more people involved, making, you know, it feel less intimidating to get into the activity and just being able to, yeah, just break down some of those barriers that, you know, we might've, um, well, not might've, we we've constructed around, mm -hmm. um, you know, the sports. And so I think that's a super, um, good initiative and, um, excited to see sort of where that goes. Um, but yeah, with BD also gear, um, working on, uh, uh, worked on the distance pack, uh, running pack. And we're, we're doing a, a revamp, um, for next year. I'm, I'm not exactly sure for when, but we're working on kind of, you know, some updates and things like that. So some exciting stuff there, um, in terms of just like, yeah, more of the design and creative side of things. I'm fortunate to have a, a unique relationship with, uh, the, the design team there and, and have, have say in, in, in the development process and testing and yada, yada. So that's something I'm, I love doing and I'm fortunate to do and yeah. Um, look forward to doing more of that. Um, good yeah. man. <laughs> um, well, uh, sounds like, it sounds like you have a lot on your plate for 2021. Let's hope, uh, you know, we, we can come to some semblance of, uh, normalcy or at least emerge a little bit from this, uh, 
darker period in, in American history, world history. But dude, it's, it's really great to chat with you. I appreciate uh, all the insights you, you provided. It was so fun to reminisce. And now you got to come down to Silverton and we'll close the loop on uh, the hard rock course with me. Uh, I'll be there in, in seven months. And we we can re- redeem ourselves from our <laughs> 11 hour vision quest from 10 years ago. Is I, I'm trying to remember, is this uh no, it's, it's, it's clockwise, isn't it? <laughs> Dude, I don't, I've lost track at this point. I lost after. track. Yeah. Cause <laughs> did they switch like both years? Like they went, I'm like, pretty uh, sure, I'm pretty sure we're finishing the same direction you and I finished this year. Okay. So it's yeah. counter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I All right. Well, that would be even be, that would be even better. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, pick you up in uh, the same spot. Yeah. Um, hopefully, feeling and doing doing better than I was in that yeah. moment. <laughs> Hope so. But, yeah. Well, that would that would be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. And you've you've got you've got your you've got your pacer now. So um, say it on on the podcast. I like <laughs> yeah, that's no, official. It's official. <laughs> it's official. Yeah, that's how I cornered you. You know, even if you're you're not up to a you know an 11, 12 hour uh, mission. You know, now now you're committed since you've stated it on the podcast. So, well, um, dude. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Dylan. Thanks so yeah. much. Say what's up to Deanne for me, and uh, let's catch up again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much. Thanks so much to Joe. That one was so fun for me. Typically, I sort of have notes or an outline to work from from these conversations, but that one was too easy. You just sort of hand the ball off to Joe and let him run with it. Uh, Just an amazing conversationalist and it was so fun uh, to reconnect with him. And I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you don't already, I would definitely encourage you to give Joe a follow. He's got an amazing Instagram account. He's a phenomenal photographer. uh, And I also link to his website so you can check out what he's up to there. If you don't mind, you can find links also to the Pillars stuff, both the app download and our Instagram account. Would definitely appreciate you giving us a follow, download the app, let me know what you think. Um, And also, if you don't mind, another final ask from the bottom of my heart, it would mean so much. If you don't mind leaving a rating review in the podcasting player of your choice, that would be really helpful, really nice to you. And I would very much appreciate it until next time. Talk to you guys soon. Love you. Bye.